Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today in a shocking twist that has outraged military advocates, the previously bipartisan PACT Act has suddenly stalled in Congress. A closer look at why this measure is so critical for veterans' health care. Also this morning, when neighbors and law enforcement come together, the result is a safer community. We have details on this year's Flag City Night Out. And nearly half of Americans will spend a week or more away from home between now and the end of the year. Is your house protected from theft and damage while you're away? This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, August 1st, 2022. If you need a reason to celebrate today... Uh, how about this? It is Homemade Pie Day. Well, there you go. Spider-Man Day today. I, I don't know why specifically today. Was this like the anniversary of the first Spider-Man comic uh, or something, I would imagine? I, it doesn't say. It just says Spider-Man Day. So, Respect for Parents Day. It is Woman Astronomers Day. World Wide Web Day. World Lung Cancer Day. International Child-Free Day, National Girlfriends Day. Now, this is kind of interesting. Uh, it is not a romantic uh, type of day, apparently. Girlfriends Day is a day for uh, women to celebrate the special friend, the special friendship they have with uh, other women, uh, gals and their girlfriends. Girlfriends Day. Uh, National Planner Day, although if you want to, you know, get your girlfriend a gift or, you know, treat her extra special, do something extra nice for your girlfriend, I don't think she'll turn you down, but that's not necessarily what the day is uh, all about. Planner Day today, and it is Play Ball Day, so reasons to celebrate today. So, um... For most of us, it's back to work uh, today. That one person in Illinois who uh, so far has not come forward. And by the way, uh, from what I understand, it is legal in the state of Illinois for a lottery winner to remain anonymous. So we may never know the identity of the winner of that billion dollar, billion and a quarter dollar uh, Mega Millions jackpot. Because that individual is permitted to stay anonymous in the state of Illinois. Not so in Ohio and many other states. You have to make your name known. I, I am still shocked that that, is, that that is the law. I have often said that if I were to win the lottery, and I don't play the lottery, so this will never be an issue, but if I... D- did play the lottery and I happened to win big in some astronomical jackpot like this. Uh, I would, I would definitely want to see the law change because there are all kinds of stories out there. People who get inundated with, they, they win this big lottery jackpot and people won't leave them alone. Everybody wants their piece of it. Uh, they quite often fall victims to scams, investment scams, and and that kind of thing. Uh, everybody wants everybody wants uh, a loan or everything. You know, family comes out, 
And there are stories of lottery winners, big jackpot lottery winners, who uh, end up being assassinated, uh, killed for their for their money, targeted by, I mean, for violence because of this. And uh, so, yeah, I uh, I would not want to win just for that for that reason alone. But uh, whoever it was uh, that won, that's pretty. Pretty incredible. I mean, just think, well, what would you do with the cash out? The cash out option is like seven, three quarters of a billion dollars. What would you do? I mean, I know the the other statistic they always talk about is that uh, most of the big time lottery winners uh, like blow through the money in like five, ten years and it's gone. I can't imagine being able to blow through three quarters of a billion dollars in that kind of time. Um I suppose there's a way to do it, but I don't know, know what that would be. Uh, let's see. Uh, the other uh, big story over the weekend, apparently, apparently George Jetson was born over the weekend. Uh, I don't know if you happen to see this. It was uh, it was all over my social media. Uh, everybody going crazy about this. Uh, apparently, fans of the animated TV series The Jetsons, you know The Jetsons, right? Uh, meet George Jetson, his boy Elroy. Da, 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 da. Anyway, uh, apparently fans of the show have deduced. Now, they never said on the show when George Jetson was born, but fans of the show have deduced from clues uh, in the episodes of the show that George Jetson was born, I think it was July 31st, 2022. So apparently George Jetson was born. Uh, over the uh, over the weekend, we hit that we hit the birthday of George Jetson. Uh, um, so I thought this was kind of interesting that I saw this story pop up on the uh, Newswire this morning. It's kind of a related story. Apparently, there is a user on TikTok who claims that he or she is from. The future, the year 2906, having traveled back in time 884 years to give us dire warnings of the horrors that are to come. From a social media star passing away soon to a massive tidal wave hitting the state of California in October of this year. (laughs) Uh, This is the TikTok user at Time Voyaging on TikTok. One... One particular video is blowing up on social media, which is claiming that the Earth will discover a hostile new species in 2023 that lives underground. Apparently, this person claims that someone will find an underground cave on January 13th that will lead them to a world underneath our soil that is populated by hostile creatures that are behind many of the Earth's problems. <laughs> well, okay. Now, they don't explain what happens when these creatures are found. <laughs> I, but I, I can imagine nothing good. Um, so that's the big prediction now. Apparently in January, someone's going someone's gonna to find this tunnel to an alternative underground world of evil, evil creatures living just under our feet. 
Take that for what you will. So far, this uh, time traveler uh, at time voyaging on TikTok has yet to get any of their so-called warnings right. But people are going crazy over this nonetheless. So January 13th is when we will apparently discover this uh, strange underground evil species. Uh, October 24th is the day that giant tidal wave is supposed to hit California. And if that happens, then the other uh, thing that you want to keep your eyes peeled for is December 10th, because that is the day that this uh, individual says that uh, Joe Biden will be removed from office <laughs> on December 10th. So, so there you go. And you make of that what you will, but you can circle those dates on your calendar, I guess. Uh, let's see what else is uh, going on. You know, the other uh, big thing for the uh, Jetsons, flying cars. We have so many of the things today that the Jetsons had uh, on the uh, on the TV show. I mean, it's uncanny the number of gadgets and things that we have today that they had then that they predicted on the show. But the one thing that we do not have, at least not yet, is flying cars that could soon change a flaming red flying car soon could become every commuter's dream uh, it would fly over miles of gridlock to work land and then drive a mile or two to the parking space it is a samson skies switchblade has been 14 years in the making it is now ready for its next series of tests uh, the Oregon-built vehicle has been gearing up for road tests. On July 15th, the Federal Aviation Administration determined it was safe for flight testing, so the flying car could be weeks away from going into production. The uh, innovative vehicle was designed to offer all the amenities of a luxury car, including its hybrid electric drive system, for a smooth journey in the air. And then when it lands, its wings fold into the sides of the car, and it uh, parks itself just like any other vehicle would. The switchblade, uh, testing for the switchblade has been accelerating over the past year in anticipation of uh, meeting the FAA hurdles, which it apparently has done now. So could be just months away from flying cars. Would you be interested I mean, I can see in big cities, that would be a huge thing. If you to avoid the traffic, just fly over all of the traffic, you wouldn't have to worry about it. But then again, too many people have them, then that creates its own set of problems, and you have other uh, issues. So I don't know that was interesting. Uh, let's see. And uh, what else is uh, going on here? By the way, speaking of, uh, of flying things, this has got to be the most bizarre story that I have ever heard um and it happened in north carolina over the weekend the federal aviation administration says that two people were on board a twin engine plane when it took off near raleigh north carolina on friday and only one person was on board when the plane landed apparently the uh, pilot decided to make an emergency landing uh, after one of the wheels of the landing gear fell off the plane, the co-pilot, Charles Hugh Crooks, 
is believed to have jumped out of the plane before it landed. 23 years old, he apparently, uh, he landed, his body was found in the backyard of someone's home south of Raleigh. Residents heard this big thud. It sounds so gruesome, but it's, I mean, that's the story. They heard this big thud in the woods behind their residence and found that somebody had fallen from the sky. The pilot, the the co-pilot, jumped from the plane without a parachute or fell. One or the other, they don't know exactly what happened. The pilot was able to land the plane with only minor injuries. I mean, the landing of the plane with half the landing gear missing was a crazy enough story. But then they discovered that one of the pilots was not there and had either jumped or fallen from the plane. And nobody knows exactly why or what's going on. I don't know if they've talked to the the other guy on board, the other pilot, whether he's explained it uh, or not. But this that's the story, and everybody is buzzing about this. It's just a bizarre, bizarre story. Weird stuff going on in the world, I tell you. There you go. One of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly sunny today with a chance of showers and storms, a high of 85. It'll be partly cloudy tonight, a low of 68. The long vacant Argyle lot in downtown Finley has been sold to a developer. Tim Miley, director of Finley-Hancock County Economic Development, says the company that bought the lot has plans to build a 36-room apartment building on the site. Really, really excited to have it. We already have great retail and restaurants and many other things downtown, but we'd like more people to live downtown. So it would be a welcome addition. And Miley says the first floor of the new building will include 4,000 square feet of commercial retail space. He says the project will likely begin later this year or early next year. Get more on the website. The Highway Patrol has been providing security in greater numbers at the Ohio State Fair this year, given recent gun violence around the country. Families we talked to were split on their level of concern. I don't, but he's the more wary one than I am. This many people, there's always some concern, but there's plenty of security here, so I feel plenty safe. Ohio State Highway Patrol says everyone coming in went through a metal detector and had their bags searched. They say concealed carry weapons are allowed on property, but not in buildings or where liquor is allowed to be served. ONN's Olivia Eugenio reporting from the Ohio State Fair. Closer to our area, the Wood County Fair is being held this week in Bowling Green. And of course, the Hancock County Fair in Findlay is coming up Labor Day weekend. The second part of Ohio's split primary election will be held on Tuesday. This time, it will only be for races in the state Senate, state House, and state political central committee races, along with local issues. So here's a look at the latest voting numbers statewide. Democrats have requested about 22,000 more ballots than Republicans. In-person voting also shows Democrats in the lead, turning in about 12,000 more ballots than Republicans. The second primary is the result of redistricting delays after the Ohio Supreme Court ruled that the Ohio House and Senate maps passed by the redistricting commission were unconstitutional. However, despite the fact that the Ohio Supreme Court said the maps didn't reflect the will of voters, a federal court ruled that the maps would be used in this second primary anyways. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I have no interest in modifying 
the purpose of this bill. This is an embarrassment to the Senate and all that they profess to hold dear. How does this happen? How do you change your mind right when you're about to make a law that's going to save lives? There's a very easy way to, to get it passed. Stop trying to fill the bill with pork and exploit veterans. Senate's where accountability goes to die. Just a sampling of the point-counterpoint late last week in the aftermath of the shocking twist in which the previously bipartisan PACT Act suddenly stalled in Congress, a development that has outraged veterans advocates such as Nicole Coleman, who is Hancock County Veterans Service Office Executive Director. This was supposed to be a procedural vote, a technicality, a reaffirmation of a vote that the first time around was about as close to unanimous as you're going to get in this Congress. Right. Um, But you have dealt with members of Congress before, so you know maybe better than most that these things can can happen. Still, how shocked were you uh, when this vote uh, came down last week? I was completely shocked. I mean, I had just been at the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee hearing mm-hmm. like two weeks before that. Yeah. Um, you know, we were there. Uh, my legislative chairman was there to talk about the PACT Act, answer questions, and uh, the responses that we were getting led us to believe that this really was just a procedural. Right. <clears throat> we need to. Yeah. Pass this again. Right. And so just watching as the votes were coming in. Blindsided. Totally blindsided. Yeah. I mean, you know, March 3rd, it passed the House. Mm-hmm. It went to the Senate. The top ranking members from the Veterans Affairs Committee in the House and the Senate worked on it for three months. Mm-hmm. So the top ranking Republicans, the top ranking Democrats right. worked on it for right. three months. It passed July 16th, and there was a small procedural thing that it needed to go back to the House, and it had, I believe, like 93 more Republicans voted for it in the House mm-hmm. that second time. Yeah. So surely, you know, you're thinking, yeah. okay, it's, it's coming back to the Senate, it's going to pass, and no problem. We're, so my office is ready, yep, we're ready for those additional phone calls. So let's take a step back here for a second. I- explain exactly what this bill does and why it's important. We actually talked a little bit about it when it originally passed uh, the Senate. It happened at a time that we happened to have uh, Senator Brown on the uh, on the program. And so we kind of mentioned it almost in passing because it was kind of a slam dunk thing. Um, so we didn't get into a whole lot of detail. Explain exactly why this is so important. Well, you know, I think the easiest way to explain it for people who aren't veterans advocates, I don't want to get right. into too much technical stuff that will right. bore your listeners. <laughs> right. But, you know, if you think about the Vietnam veterans and their exposure to Agent Orange, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that has to happen in order to have all of the research and the findings that are necessary to determine you know, should a veteran get disability benefits for this is increased access to health care. And the listeners might be asking, why is that important? Well, because not all veterans get access to VA health care. And that could be a whole nother show, but not all of them do. Right. So this would increase that access to health care. It also would establish the registries that are needed 
so that, um, for example, you know, I served in Desert Storm, so I can go, I can register, then they're monitoring my health, Mm -hmm. and it is helping them track information to see what might these people have been exposed to and how might it be impacting their health. Yeah. And then as they gather that information, they can determine, okay, here are some additional disabilities and how are we going to compensate these veterans for these disabilities in the way that they're impacting as their lives. Well, as well we should. And it's uh, involving Agent Orange. Uh, a lot of has been made of the burn pits mm-hmm. uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan, where basically anything that we needed to dispose of, we threw in this big, huge pit, uh, poured aviation fuel on top of it, and set it all on fire. Pretty easy to see that that would be toxic in some some cases and indeed it was right this, this makes the assumption that that healthcare issues that come from these veterans come from those burn pits agent orange you know all of those exactly all of those sort of things so i spent a lot of the weekend kind of researching this because every everybody was asking well why was it voted down and both parties have different explanations as near as I can come. And you can interrupt me if you your understanding uh, is different than mine. But as I understand it, uh, the objection that Pat Toomey and Ted Cruz and others are talking about was this provision uh, in the bill that moves $400 billion in spending on veterans programs, this and other veterans programs, from discretionary, discretionary spending to the mandatory category. The upside of that and the reason why... They wanted to do that was because it means those uh, the, that funding for those programs is guaranteed that it doesn't have to be uh, reallocated. Uh, it would be where it would be subject to the whims of Congress. It could be defunded. It could be you know diverted. Whatever. So that's a good thing potentially. But as I understand it, that theoretically opens a hole in the discretionary budget for four hundred billion dollars. That was discretionary spending. Now you've got a hole that could be used for something else. It's sort of like, and I put it in in your household uh, budget. If your internet service at one time you figured was discretionary, but nowadays it's as important as your mortgage and your electric bill, so you move that to your mandatory spending, do you now have an extra $100 a month in your discretionary budget because the internet bill is not there anymore? This is kind of the same thing. So both sides have a bit of a point here, right? Yeah. So I think the way you explained that does make it easy for people to understand, Mm -hmm. you know, why maybe the flip-flop. But as I understand it, the funding mechanism that is in place now Mm -hmm. was the same funding mechanism that was in place. That's the rub. When this was voted on Mm -hmm. previously. Yeah. And And suddenly there's an objection. Correct. And, And the thing that, the one thing that I do want everyone who's listening to hear is that, you know, the first the first time that this kind of discussion was had for Vietnam veterans and their Agent Orange exposure was 16 years after the war started. Mm. And we're a long those, way from that now. Correct. And those America was outraged. They said, never again will we do this to our service members. Well, let me tell you, the war that I served in, Mm -hmm. 32 years ago is when it began. Yeah. Double. Double the amount of time 
that the Vietnam veterans had to wait. Now, my dad's a Vietnam vet, and most of the clients that I serve are Vietnam veterans, so I'm not taking anything away from them, but they are equally outraged for us, and there are provisions in this for them as well. Right. So, what I would say is, if the people felt like it was okay to approve it two and a half weeks ago, Then, then what happened? It becomes obvious that regardless of whether there are valid concerns here or whether this is political gamesmanship has been, as has been theorized, that veterans are basically becoming the pawns right. uh, in this. I mean, there's no other way to really explain it right. at, at the end of the day. Yep. And I think, you know, the other thing that I would say, if it's okay, if that I jump in again, Absolutely. But is that, um, you know, while they continue to do their back and forth, mm-hmm. whatever it is they're doing. They, they did that for three months. Right. Came to something they all agreed on. Mm-hmm. Um, veterans are dying. Yeah. So I had a Marine last year, young, who died of a rare cancer. He was not 35 yet. Every veteran in his unit has died of a rare cancer before the age of 35. That is unacceptable. I couldn't get him all the health care he needed. I couldn't get the disability because, well, there's, there's no proof that this is connected. Well, that's right. because we don't have the information that we need, and, and we this need this provide. to be approved. Um, but it's not a coincidence. No, <laughs> it's, no. It's, it's absolutely not a coincidence. And um, it would appear and again i don't want to do dig too deeply into the weeds of the politics but as you know again as you know as well as anyone everything is about politics in dc it would appear that republicans have made a major miscalculation about how this would be perceived by the public based on the reaction over the weekend um and certainly by by veterans advocates that's not you know both parties make miscalculations all the time in this case it looks like it was the the republican party my understanding is that there will be another vote either today or tomorrow uh, on this it's got to pass doesn't it that is so that is also my understanding is that there is the chance for a vote today um you know when i want to go back to the funding piece for just a second to say that you know if there are people who are thinking okay this is like a slush fund mm-hmm. 65 veteran organizations have signed on to this. Mm. Those veterans organizations, we're talking big name, DAV, American Legion, VFW, MOPH, like these organizations would not have signed on to this if it was a slush fund, giving Congress just willy-nilly, spend the money on whatever you want. That is not what this is. I don't think, never have I thought that Republicans or Democrats want to screw veterans. I don't think that's right. what's happening yeah. here. I think right. that something something crazy happened that yeah. day or that week. And yes, something got cro- caught in the crossfire and they have a chance to make it right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, this week. And real quickly, uh, once this does pass, because it seems like everybody is saying, oh, this is going to pass. I don't know what's going to change to make this pass or how they're going to save face in all of this. But assuming that happens, then you're ready to take the calls. Right. So we have very strategically over the last uh, 
oh, seven or eight years been developing our team, developing our staff, getting them trained, accredited. We have four accredited uh, county veteran service officers, which are advocates who are accredited with the VA. Um, to file claims, we receive uh, three to five trainings per year from the VA and uh, attorney, veteran attorneys. Um, so we are ready to answer questions and help people. And if you are getting ads in your social media or phone calls about, uh, you know, if you were stationed at Camp Lejeune and you should sign this, sign up with us for this mm, lawsuit yeah. about the contaminated water right, or the earplugs, you know, the, the, yeah. any of those things, please don't sign with them because we are county employees. We, mm. we don't take any part of your compensation. Our job is to advocate for you, help you get those funds, and 100% of it comes into your bank account. If you sign up with an attorney, you are turning over probably about 40% of yeah. it. Uh, so important. Uh, so important. Uh, certainly a, a story we continue to follow. And again, uh, Hancock County Veterans Service Office Executive Director Nicole Coleman with us this morning. Nicole, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you. But coming up tomorrow, it's the annual Night Out event across the country. And Flag City, once again, participating as they do every year. And uh, Finley Police Department Crime Prevention Officer uh, Brian White with us uh, this morning. The, the idea is, and it's quite simple, uh, as we were saying a little bit earlier, when neighbors and law enforcement come together, uh, the result is a safer community all the way around. I mean, that, that's really it in a nutshell, right? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me this morning. Uh, and really, it's kind of the basic uh, tenet of Block Watch, right, is getting neighbors together to kind of solve common problems and look out for each other. And this mm-hmm. is just one more component of that same idea, right, is bringing neighbors and the community together to one, talk about some of the stuff we have, equipment, you know, kind of the fun stuff, mm-hmm. but also, again, to kind of open those doors to solving problems. These days, it it becomes even more uh, critical because we just don't have, I mean, a lot of people lament the fact that we have kind of lost that sense of uh, of community. This also serves as maybe a way to get some of that back? Uh, absolutely. Um, anything that we can do to get out into the public and communicate with people is, is, is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially because a lot of times we're riding around in insulated bubbles, right? And our police cars respond right. to calls. Right. We don't really have a lot of that time to really make those connections and talk with people. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the beautiful parts about Flag City Night Out is that there's no set agenda, just like Coffee with a Cop, right? There's no set agenda. We're yeah. just out there kind of hanging out, having mm-hmm. a good time, uh, not subject to calls. So you don't have that pressure. Yeah, it's just a good way to kind of open those lines of communication. It 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 used to be that there were you know cop neighborhood cops. Sure. The, the um, yeah, yeah the beat cops. You would have the opportunity to you know talk with people in the neighborhood. You would meet. You knew who the beat cop was in yep. in your neighborhood. Yep. Or even when I grew up, I mean, we didn't have you know cops on foot patrol in the neighborhood where I grew up, but we knew who the police officers were that kind of patrolled the neighborhood. And when they were, you know, sitting in their car or whatever, we can go up and and talk to them again. You just don't, for a variety of reasons, you just don't have that. 
Well, the, as uh, much. Obviously, the cars that makes a difference, right? Some people will say, "Well, get out of the cars." Get out. In our officers, they try to do that to the best of their ability. Sure. However, a lot of times they're just kind of running call to call. Right. And we're doing a lot more with less. I would say. I mean, mm-hmm. we have like everybody. Right. Say, right. Yeah. yeah. The city's uh, grown, and mm-hmm. we have kind of the same staffing and officers, and uh, they're they're doing a good job. But uh, you know, they're pretty busy. Yeah. Um, and of course. In this day and age, with everything that we've uh, had heard about in the news, mm-hmm. um, relations between law enforcement and the community um, sometimes are less than ideal. I don't know how sure. much of that you run into here. Again, we hear about it in you know maybe the big cities, especially. Sure. Is that as well? We see it, um, and I get it, right? Especially the little kids. We walk up. We got these dark uniforms. We got mm-hmm. all this gear on. We got firearms, and that can be scary and intimidating for sure. for little kids, especially if they're hearing some of these news stories on TV, and maybe they're right. hearing about it from friends, family. Yeah. So this is just one more avenue that we can kind of dispel some of those uh, stories and myths that they're hearing. Mm-hmm. And let them know that hey, we're people like everyone else. We have families. Matter of fact, my kids will be out at this event as well. Yeah. You know and. And uh, it it also, as we've talked about before, you know, most people with it, when they interact with the police, uh, it's probably one of their worst days ever. Absolutely, so you make that correlation between having a very bad day and having an interaction with a police officer. Absolutely, a lot of the calls that we go on are very traumatic and. Um, unfortunately it's just the, the nature of what we do is right. that, uh, there might be someone that's unhappy with the consequences of mm-hmm. the actions that they have taken. And, yeah. Uh, that, that interaction with the police officers isn't always the, the most pleasant sure, uh, sure. in the world. It, even, even talking about a ticket, right. For writing a ticket, someone usually are not very happy yeah. about it. Nature However, uh, we do train our officers, you know, to be respectful and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, right. a lot of times we, we get thank yous in the end because a lot of people understand why we do what yeah. we do. So, uh, again, you put all of that together, and the night out event, as you said, a lot less pressure, just uh, a, a gathering where everybody can sort of meet, chat, shake hands, yep. that kind of thing. I kind of equate it to a fun, as there's a lot of fun involved, information sharing events, right? We'll have a lot of different activities going on. And one of the other things that uh, I thought was a very uh, big part of this event, or what should be, is tables of nonprofits coming out and providing information about what they do to the community. Mm-hmm. That way when kids are out kind of playing on with some of the activities, the bounce houses, everything else, yeah. parents, they have a chance to kind of find out what resources are available to them. Um, so as you were mentioning, there's not a huge structure to this. Uh, right. It's very right. open, very relaxed, but uh, give us the sure. details that you do have, some of the things that will be going on, that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, you, we do have a little bit of structure. We kind of got a timeline of uh, different events, and we always start out with the National Anthem and then roll right into our annual mascot games. This will be the sixth running of the mascot games where we have area mascots compete in what I like to call Olympics, but really we're talking about kind of easy <laughs> events, musical chairs, stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? So that, that's always... I think we always, should make that a, an Olympic event, actually. I, I agree, but, I agree. But, you know. It is a riot to watch. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll do an intermission in mascot games to kind of get uh, police officers and firefighters paired up with kids and do our police versus fire games. That way uh, the, the children have a chance to interact with first responders and compete in some of these olympics as well very cool <laughs> very cool so that that is always what kicks us off uh then we'll roll into uh, some live entertainment by pantasia they always come out that's one of the crowd favorites as mm-hmm. well uh special thank you to them for always volunteering their time 
And then we have a few different activities that are uh, related to law enforcement. Uh, so we, we put up some drones, kind of let people take a look at those. Mm. Uh, we also do our canine demonstrations. Everyone loves the, the oh, yeah. canine dogs and seeing yeah. what they can do. They are amazing. Yep. Uh, one of the new things that uh, we came up with for this year um, was a lot of those tools that we talked about earlier, right? All the equipment that we have on our vest. A lot of people don't really know what they are mm-hmm. and what they're used for. So we're going to have one of our um, instructors come in and kind of talk about some of them. So okay. whether or not it's the pepper spray or the taser, uh, maybe we might be able to round up one of our department employees to uh, <laughs> be tased. <laughs> we, we will see. Still looking for volunteers? <laughs> well, Is that the- <laughs> well, yeah, volunteers are hard to come by when we talk about being tased. <laughs> I would imagine so. <laughs> but uh, that way it will be uh, a visual uh, demonstration yeah. of what these are used for mm-hmm. and the, a lot of times we will use those uh, to kind of bring a situation back down right rather than having to use more uh yeah direct force yeah exactly um so and and everybody's uh everybody's welcome everybody's Absolutely. invited it, it's it's more than just the finley police department that, that's uh, that's correct and that's a good point to uh note uh, many different safety services will be out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, police, fire, EMS, uh, tow trucks. We'll have uh, the amateur radio club. They'll be out there with their trailers, kind of talking about what they do and getting people interested in amateur radio. Yeah. Um, that's just the vehicles and equipment that people will be able to check out. There's also a lot of different organizations that will be providing activities for kids. Mm-hmm. Movement Church, they're a big uh, help with, with our event. They'll be providing root beer floats. Uh, they have some kids' activities, a uh, face painting station. I know the YMCA, they'll have Y on the fly out there. So different activities going on. The Finley Rec Department. It's going to be a terrific evening for the entire family. And as we mentioned, it all happens tomorrow, right? Tomorrow tomorrow evening, yeah. So we do have a rain date set up, but knock on wood, I don't think we're going to need yeah, it. Yeah, I think like it's going to be a great great evening. So when does everything start? starts at 6 o'clock and runs okay. till 9 o'clock. This is a completely free event. We advertise it as keep your wallet at home. Don't bring anything. There'll be food. There'll be live entertainment and drinks and it's at riverside park that's correct okay. riverside park uh, kind of over by the volleyball courts okay uh, kitty corral area it should have no problem finding it with no, all no, of the vehicles no. and that's all the correct. activities going on so no, that's correct yeah uh again it is uh, tomorrow evening the uh, annual night out event flag city night out happening at riverside park beginning at 6 p.m brian white thanks very much for uh, dropping by we appreciate it thanks again for having me 20 years of good mornings on WFIN. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Kind of a light day for uh, broken news. We do have a few items here. Uh... (laughs) An Alabama official is being questioned for telling a journalist that her skirt was too short to witness an execution. (laughs) This just seems odd. Uh, The uh, journalist, uh, Ivana Hirinke, says in a statement that she had worn the skirt to previous executions without incident. But for whatever reason, she was told she had to... Uh, that that she couldn't wear that skirt. It was too it was too short <laughs> to be allowed in to witness this execution. I didn't realize there was a dress code for uh, executions, but apparently so in in Alabama. Uh, Ms. Herinke was prompted to borrow a pair of pants from a colleague uh, 
by the Alabama Department of Corrections spokesperson who then proceeded to take issue with her open-toe high-heeled shoes as well, claiming they were too revealing. <laughs> her open-toed shoes. We can't have your toes showing. What's wrong with you? What is it? Uh, the reporter was finally permitted to cover the execution after changing into some tennis shoes that she had uh, in her car, but the Department of Corrections has yet to give any further comments. This all happened as the agency prepared to execute Joe Nathan James Jr. by lethal injection for killing his ex-girlfriend back in 1994. Uh, The execution, delayed by three hours, uh, was finally carried out last Thursday uh, against the... Against the wishes of the victim of the family, after uh, being denied by state Republican Governor uh, Kay Ivey. (laughs) They had to hold up the execution while the uh, reporter changed her pants and her open-toe shoes. Comply with the dress code for the execution. It has caused a big brouhaha in the state of Alabama. Weird. Just weird. Uh, I don't know why it matters. This was uh, kind of interesting. Um, This is one of those uh, viral internet stories. A uh, person on TikTok apparently got the bright idea of asking a computer uh, how it would take over the world. How many times have we heard the computers are going to take over the world? So um, this TikTok user decided to ask uh, this artificial intelligence computer just how it planned on taking over the world. Uh, the TikTok att- account uh, <laughs> named Robot Overlords, which I guess makes sense, uh, reported that the answer uh, was, uh, let's see, he, the uh, the computer generated images of robot armies moving through a city. <laughs> Some commenters asked the account holder, why are you giving the robot any ideas? <laughs> Weird. <clears throat> so how are you planning to take over the world, Mr. Computer? I guess if uh, we can ask computers questions, that would be a question that you would want to an- want the answer to. Wouldn't it? Maybe we don't want to know. Uh, a Florida man was arrested for allegedly stealing Pokemon merchandise at a uh, local Walmart. Apparently, Tyler Branson got this uh, brilliant idea to hold uh, a lower-priced item underneath the Pokemon products at the self-checkout so that the lower-priced product was scanned instead of the item that he was trying to abscond with. Uh, Upon further investigation, Mr. Branson apparently has done this multiple times uh, over the course of the past month. He is charged with retail theft. What I wondered about this is that if you're going to come up with an elaborate scheme like that, is, is Pokemon stuff really what you want to steal? I mean, you want to go through all of that just to steal some Pokemon stuff? It's, it seems like there are other things that would be higher on my list. But anyway, but of course I would never do something like that. I'm just saying that if I... Yeah. Uh, seems like an awful lot of trouble to go through to uh, swipe some Pokemon stuff. I just, what are you in for? I stole some Pokemon merchandise. Big Pokemon thief. <laughs> in the international file of the broken news in Brazil, uh, officers seized 1.1 metric tons of cannabis from a uh, property in Sao Paulo. 
Um, what was interesting about this bust is when the uh, when the officers you know raided the place, the owner's guard dog uh, decided to curl up next to his owners as they were handcuffed and take a nap. <laughs> Some guard dog. Mm. Officers broke in and told the Rottweiler to sit and stay, and he did. <laughs> uh, the uh, dog is not suspected to be involved with the illegal drug trafficking activity, so dog's in the clear, and uh, he didn't cause any problems for officers. <laughs> he just curled up next to his handcuffed owners and took a nap. Not the guard dog that they thought they were getting, apparently. And finally, in the broken news this morning, as I said, it's kind of a light day, but uh, some interesting stories here. This is all kinds of weird, and um, I'm not sure exactly where this... Is this in Florida as well? I believe this is in Florida as well. I'm not sure where uh, in Florida. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's in Florida, but I don't know where. The family of 76-year-old Phyllis... Izzo has been unable to bury her, take care of her affairs, settle her estate a month after her death. Her niece, Tamala, explains there are all kinds of things that we need a death certificate for. We can't even turn in her leased vehicle without a death certificate, but it seems that her doctor, uh, Charles Egar, refuses to sign the death certificate. This has been going on for a month. He claims he was never furnished an official cause of death, and so he is not comfortable in signing a legal paper. Uh, the doctor needs the cause of death, and uh, if and he says, if I don't have the cause of death for any patient, I can't write the certificate. He is demanding law enforcement officials send him notice that Ms. Izzo's death wasn't caused by foul play or deemed suspicious in any way. He says he never saw uh, the woman's body to make the determination himself. There's no autopsy performed or anything. In his mind, if he signs the paper, he could be held legally responsible if her cause of death turns out to be incorrect on her death certificate. For the record, the Florida Medical Examiner's Office says it appeared that Ms. Izzo did not die of murder or suicide or any sort of foul play, so they ruled that she died of natural causes. So there has been a ruling by the medical examiner, but the doctor did not see the body, and so he won't sign off on the uh, death certificate. Um, Apparently, he's required by law to do so within 72 hours of her death, and this has been dragging on for a month. The state uh, will send him a formal letter demanding his signature so the family can get on with their lives, bury their... uh, bury their aunt and settle her affairs. If he continues to refuse, it says here, Dr. Eager faces enforcement action against his medical license. He can, it's his medical license. Because he, uh, I mean, she's 76 years old. Everybody else has signed off, but the doctor uh, says he's not going to do it. That's, that's just weird. Is that, lo- is that really worth losing your medical license over? I, I don't know. Anyway, potentially, that's what could happen. There you go. Uh, That is the uh, broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news, and it certainly is that. 
Brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills, and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 13. 30 WFIN and 95.5 FM online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet and Alexa devices. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You know, most of us uh, have seemingly endless numbers of friends. I put that in air quotes, friends on social media, right? But when it comes to real life, the number of actual human, real friends that we have is more like maybe a dozen. According to a new survey, uh, the average adult has 10 good friends. 10 is what they say. This is a survey conducted by one poll, surveyed 2,000 people. And found that the average friendship lasts for 17 years. Uh, Although that said, 17% say that they have had the same best friend for over 30 years. Uh, And the average... uh, The average age which which we meet our best friend... Six. (laughs) The, The age of six... We have at least one friend that dates back to when you were both six years old, according to the survey. They also noted that the average person spends over 2,000 nights out over the lifetime of a friendship with their friend. And uh, the average person spends 39,000 hours laughing with their friends. On average, you have shared 630 secrets with your closest friend. And some of the uh, most treasured qualities that those in the survey said uh, made for a good friend, being a good listener, giving honest advice, and of course, being able to make someone laugh. Those are the best qualities to have in a best friend. Well, the estimate is that Americans will spend some $95 billion on travel this year. And a new Harris poll commissioned by Selective Insurance finds 44% of homeowners planning to take a vacation uh, of a week or longer sometime between now and the end of the year. But in all that planning, don't forget to protect your home. Uh, Home security uh, should be at the uh, top of your planning list as well. Shelly Gallagher is vice president of uh, Selective Insurance. And uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, survey and some of what you uh, found out of this here. Morning, Chris. Thanks for having me. So this study, you know, one of the, the things that I'm happiest to see in this study is that people are planning on taking vacations again, right? So it's been a couple of years, things have been a little bit locked down. So it's great to see that people are getting back out there again and traveling and enjoying time with their friends and their family. Um, When I do look at the survey results, right? We're trying to understand what measures people are taking to protect their home while they're away, because it is a big 
um, you know, risk when you're not in your home. And mm-hmm. the risk is really, right, burglary, theft. It could be a fire or water. And when we look at these results, the good news is, is that people are taking some steps and some measures to protect their home. And some of them are, are simple things that we all do, like locking our doors and our windows and right. uh, maybe even setting the lights on the timer. Yeah, hopefully some of those things will go without saying. What are some of the other uh, maybe more surprising ways that Americans are trying to keep their homes safe while they're away? Yeah, so I think some other things that people do, right, is hiring a house sitter. That is not a, a common um, way that people protect their homes, but it is a small percentage of the population. But one of the things where there's the most opportunity is installing some type of security system or device in your home. There are so many options out there from self-monitored devices to full-blown professional monitoring. So, you know, when I look at the results, I was surprised to see that overall, um, that, that, in, that homeowners are not using professional monitoring systems as, as much as I thought they were going to be when they're on mm. vacation. Only about 22% are using professionally monitored systems. I thought that was a little low, yeah. honestly. Um, you know, you made a good point earlier. Uh, part of the reason uh, that people may be overlooking this is simply because we haven't traveled for so long so we're eager to get out and it's easy to overlook uh, what we might think of the little things but this can turn into a very big thing so what do you recommend in terms of keeping our home safe while we are away for an extended period of time my number one recommendation is people look into getting some type of security system and device, right? Whether it's self-monitored or professional monitored, I do lean more towards um, favoring professional monitored because when you're on vacation, you want to enjoy yourself on vacation. And if you use the professional monitoring, that, you know, it kind of takes care of itself in that that company is monitoring it for you. They're going to dispatch either the fire department or the police to your home if there's any activity. Mm -hmm. Now, I also know that that comes with a, a price sometimes, right? That could be, um, you know, pricey for some, depending on on where you are. But there's also some self-monitored options that might be a little bit cheaper in price. You know, you maybe you pay a few dollars to utilize an app on your phone as you're checking the cameras at your house. But I highly recommend a security system of some type. And my number two recommendation is having someone check on your home while you're away right? That is truly important. Whether it's a neighbor, a family member, or a friend, make sure they know that you're going away and they can check in on your home while you are away. In your role as Vice President of Selective Insurance for Personal Lines, uh, obviously you uh, have a stake in this. The insurance industry has a a big stake in making sure that uh, homes are secured and safe uh, while their homeowners uh, are away. Uh, Is there a a difference in terms of, well, first of all, how much much does this cost? I don't mean to put you on the spot with an exact number, but uh, what is the cost uh, of this uh, in terms of losses uh, from things that are, frankly, preventable uh, while people are away from their homes? That's a great question. So what I, I have um, seen, right, at working at an insurance company, I have seen losses occur while people are away from their home. And the most the, the frequent losses that I see are due to water, right? So hmm. a lot of these security systems that we're talking about can also protect from water. But, uh, you know, one example we recently saw 
was a homeowner was away for about a week. The fill valve on their, their toilet failed and water just flowed through the house for a week. And their, their bathroom that had the problem was on the second story, the second floor. So all that water goes down into the first floor. We paid out about $170,000 in losses to repair and rebuild that person's home, right? So it's devastating coming home to that and seeing the mess that it made. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the other hard part about that is you get displaced from your home for a little bit as it's getting fixed and cleaned up and repaired and put back together. So the losses can be significant specifically from water. And you mentioned uh, the various ways in which uh, using that as an example, you can monitor and uh, prevent that from happening, whether we're talking about a professional service or uh, the the, Mm -hmm. any number of uh, do-it-yourself self-installed monitors and, and and alarm systems from an insurance standpoint is is either of those uh, better than uh, a, a, any other or is it just something is better than nothing so there are a few methods you can take to prevent right a devastating water loss again there's the professional monitoring there are these water detection devices that right. you can put throughout your home right and you can put them by the toilet the washing machine the sink there's also a water shutoff device that's available in the market that is a little bit more expensive, right? It's a few hundred dollars, and typically you have to have a plumber install this type of device, but it gets installed into where the main water source comes into the house, and it tracks the flow of water into your house, and it'll shut that device. That device will indicate, right, that there's a large amount of water coming into your house, and you can shut the water off from honestly just clicking a a button on your phone or on your app, right? So that's available. One of the easiest things you can do before you go on vacation is just to shut the water off yourself, right? The the valve that you have to the main water source in your home, you can shut that off when you go away on vacation. So there are definitely steps you can take to protect your home. All really good advice and things, like we said, that we don't want to overlook when we're planning uh, these vacations, which more Americans clearly are doing between now and the end of the year, whether we're talking about summer vacations before too long, the holiday season is going to be here, which uh, uh, also uh, brings all of this to mind. So very good stuff. Uh, Shelly Gallagher, again, is Vice President of Personal Alliance for Selective Insurance. Where do we get more information? Yeah, you can find more information at Selective.com. You can find information about the coverages that we offer as well as the poll, the results of the poll that we we conducted. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Till tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.